Welcome to TSF Life, a podcast ministry of the Shepherd's Fellowship Church in Marion, Ohio. TSF Life is designed to bring you biblical teaching in a relational way that's easy to apply to your life. Let's join Pastor Tom Hypes as we dive into today's teaching. Guys, let's get into it and let's get serious. So if you would, open up your Bibles. We're going to go to John chapter 9 today. Uh, As many of you know, we've been in... Uh, Does it say five? That's wrong. John 9 is where we're going. Um, But we are continuing our longer series on the life of Christ. We have gone through the early ministry of Christ, uh, going through through the Sermon of the Mount. And now we're kind of in that middle ground between that early teaching and the last week of Christ. And we're looking at different segments of that uh, ministry. And right now we're looking at the healings of Jesus. And so we've looked at several healings, and now we're moved into the messianic healings, uh, or the messianic miracles, those things that the the rabbi leadership was teaching, that only these four things can the Messiah do. No man can do it. We tackled the first one uh, last week, when we talked about the healing of the lepers, that that only the Messiah could heal leprosy. That's how, how they felt about leprosy. And now we're going to move into healing a birth defect, which only they felt that the Messiah can do by looking at the man born blind. Hey, we're trying to be serious now. What's wrong with you people? What was that? Was that like the... Oh, it's Spice commercial. Okay. All right. Dear Lord Almighty, help me. These people. They vex me, Amanda. Yeah. Okay, oh, and you notice uh, I've given up on your stone hearts. There was no video this morning. Uh, you, you people don't cry at nothing, so maybe we'll go back to it next week. But on today, I think I want to read a lot and talk a lot. So we're going to go through this whole chapter. So uh, again, it is up and running on your version. If you're using the electronic version, you can use that. Or if you need a Bible, there's Bibles around the, uh, the room and those baskets underneath the chair. But since we're all there, let's go ahead and dig in. As he, being Jesus, passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it's day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Salaam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Okay, so since a big part of this study is looking at the similarities as well as the uniquenesses of the healings, that we do see a trend within Jesus' healings, but each one is special and unique within itself, we'll again go through the same bullet points at the beginning for each one that we see. The first, we've got the cast of characters, which includes the location. Location is Jerusalem. It's a very interesting time of Jerusalem. This is the very end of the, the uh, Feast of what the uh, Booths. I want to make sure I get... Uh, for some reason, I was thinking tabernacles for a second. Feast of Booths, stop it. They're going to have to start sending us money for advertising. If you keep. Okay. So we're in Judea. Right, country-wise. You got Galilee at the top, like we talked about. Beautiful area. Lots of uh, the boats, the, the sea, those beautiful mountain ranges, smoky mountain-type fill. You got Samaria, 
where there's a lot of prejudice against those that are half Jewish, half Gentile. And then now we're down in Judea, where he has made this trip down to more of the desert region, the hub of the Jewish faith with Jerusalem. And he is there for a very important time, one of the three um, festivals that the Jews take and collect for, that God has given them, uh, that he is there for. So it's a very packed place as it's kind of wrap, wrapped up and they're starting to make their preparations to start heading back home. Within this, we've got Jesus, again, the one we're learning about and growing to be more like. We've got his disciples because of it being the festival that they are at. We know that the disciples are there with him. We know that there's the street people because, again, it's overly packed as people are getting ready to go home. And we know that the people on the street are Jewish. And we have the blind man who also is a Jewish man. Those, those, those are what we know as far as our cast of characters. Now, the first point that we always go over uh, with the help of Chris here is going to be, bink, we don't deserve his move, but he does move. That's what we've been looking at over and over again. Spiritually, we know that in our own lives. We, that's the whole power and beauty of his grace, of Hest, is the one that we really don't deserve anything from, gives us everything. And so we see that in our spiritual lives as far as salvation, as far as the gospel, as far as the reconciliation, as far as his lead in our lives. But we also see a lot, very much in every healing we looked at so far, in the metaphor, that even though the world doesn't think that Jesus should move in this area, he does. Why we do have a man instead of a woman, like we have had in the past, according to the culture at the time. Why we do have a Jew instead of a Gentile or a foreigner, like we've seen in the past, including last week with the one le leper that came back to worship and the thanks God. We do have someone that has a disability since birth that is looked down upon because the prejudice against those who struggle because they assume it's because of his sin or his parents' sin. We see that in the disciples. The, the, the question they ask is a very rabbinic um, question to, to, ask your, to ask your rabbi. It's like, why is this or what is this? Who sinned? Him or his parents? They ask that because everyone in that culture at the time assumed it was because of his sin or their, their sin, which means not as much empathy as there is judgment within the church at that time. And so th this is a guy that's on the lower end of things where he's now out begging to be able to pull these things to together. So there, there's a big struggle within this that the world around him does not value him. But yet, again, Jesus moves. Jesus always moves. Uh, the second one, we can explore that a little bit, that Jesus isn't for show or worldly standards. He's doing his ministry on the street. That's not necessarily normal at this time. Um, and as we've seen over and over and over again, he likes to push it when it comes to the oral law and break the oral law, the law that man put around the law of God, uh, to show them that it's not appropriate and show that he has fulfilled it. Now he's going back to the heart of the law. And let's, so let's start this. Anybody want to guess what day it is? Sabbath. Sabbath. No, it's not Sunday. Sunday's not the Sabbath. Saturday is the Sabbath with the Old Testament law. We celebrate on Sundays because it's the Lord's Day, the day that he rose again. But on the Sabbath, he decides to do a healing, which, of course, is going to capture some attention. On top of that, he spits on the ground and makes mud, which, by the way, ooh, right? Yeah. I mean, everybody's like, mm. but that is considered work according to the oral law at that time. Not so much that he bent over and did it, but that he spit on the ground because then it might roll downhill thus creating mud, and so that would be the work, and that's forbidden on the Sabbath. So we have a twofer here, where Jesus 
does not care about the law. He cares about what his father is doing, what his father is calling him to. Now, there's been a lot of different, um, I was doing some studies on, like, why on the whole I thing. Because as we know, so far, matter of fact, I think all the miracles we've looked at so far had no miraculous action to it. Right? We've talked about that. There are miraculous miracles of Jesus uh, where they got healed on their way to see the priest. Or the, the, the big move was stand up, pick up your mat. The, 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 this is the first one that we've come across in this study where there's something with a little bit more oomph. So a lot of theologians and commentators have studied, okay, why is this? There's some, um, I'll give you a couple I don't necessarily buy into myself, but again, it's not the scripture, it's commentary, so it's up to you uh, what you embrace and, and don't on the commentary. But um, again, you're stuck with the Bible. Um, that he was recreating creation. That there, there was a element here of breathing into the dirt um, to bring life to this man. I don't necessarily fully buy it because he didn't breathe in the dirt. He spit into the dirt. Um, I, I, I think it's a little bit of a stretch, but it could be. That's fine. I, I, I love it. I love how, how that goes. Um, there is um, a th- truth in the culture at that time that saliva supposedly did have healing properties in it. So I don't know how many people are spitting on each other trying to get through this stuff. You know, like if you see that commercial, what was it, for dental? Like the, the treatment was kissing a donkey? Am I the only one seeing this commercial? Yeah, huh? What'd you say? Ka- <laughs> Kathy, can you go back and sit by Don? He's out of control. People mess with me. Uh, but no, that was one thing that was thought. And, and, and I think the only reason I don't completely buy into that is, one, because Jesus would know better, even though modern medicine wasn't quite caught up to that. Um, and secondly, very st- I, I don't see any healings where Jesus is trying to give a hint that uh, something else healed them outside of the power of God. You know, like, it, it's, not, um, it's not the call to one about saying, saliva f- fixed me. It's Jesus who healed, healed me. It's Jesus' miracle. Uh, but a couple that... Um, I do kind of tend to lean into. Uh, one is that uh, he did it to break the law, the oral law. That's uh, something that he continues to do. But the biggest one, and I like this, as a matter of fact, keep your spot there. Well, I'm not going too far, but just go to John 7 uh, for a second. Um, and this I didn't know for years. Just within the last year at a conference I was at, Life of Christ, uh, they were digging into this, and I just thought it was a blockbuster. Um, and I'm going off memory, so if I get any details wrong, forgive me. Make sure you double-check what I'm saying here. But in verse 37, we're back into the feast. So it's just, you know, like the day before, whatever the case may be. And it says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus had not been uh, glorified. And I always thought, I don't know, when I visualize that, he's in the middle of town and he just cries us out and it's a teaching, you know, it's an outreach or whatever the case may be. Uh, but I was we were digging into it from that standpoint and looking at um, what happens here at this particular feast. The last day, the thing that brings it to close was the people follow the, 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 the priest out of the temple area, uh, I probably should put this picture up, but down and up the hill that goes back towards the Mount of Olives, and there's a cemetery up in that area. And um, 
he, he, they go to a particular place and the priest pulls out water to, to close it. And if, I'm, if I remember correctly, the, the symbolism of that is the celebration of uh, Moses, of the water that's coming out of the, the stone that satisfies the people. It's um, because, again, that's a, a big chunk of what, what this festival is, is going back to the celebration of what God has done for us. And so the likelihood is extremely strong that while that's going on and people are celebrating what had God had done before, Jesus stands up in the midst of it and goes, that's me. I'm the living water. That, that's the foreshadowing of me coming and the Holy Spirit that is to come. And so when he cries out, come to me, and there will be the rivers of life, this massive uh, fulfilling of your needs that would symbolize through the water for the Israelites, uh, people would have been shocked. People would have, it would have caused quite a bit of a commotion. So now that you get just a little bit down the road and he's out in the middle of the people that are like, is, what does this guy mean? All of a sudden he's using saliva to bring life into this man to open his eyes, both physically and spiritually. Uh, I, I think has a, a real good shot of being a good answer on why Jesus incorporated it into this particular miracle. Uh, because again, he's to be the light. We just sang about him being the light and to be the light. Okay, number three, faith matters. Faith matters. We have seen everything from healings with an incredible amount of faith that surprised and amazed Jesus, and healings where the person didn't even have a chance to have faith. Um, so faith plays out in different ways. It, it is not if you pray for, to be healed and you're not healed, that, that means you don't have enough faith. That's crap. Uh, but faith is part of our walk. Faith is what opens those doors. Uh, and so I've, one of the things I thought was really interesting is that with this mud, he anointed his eyes. It doesn't say he smeared the mud on his eyes. He anointed his eyes. When you see us using oil for child dedications, baby dedications, to call a new elder or somebody into a role within the church, it's an anointing. So he anointed the eyes. He sends them to a place that literally means sent to Salom. And actually, I think we have pictures of Salom, don't we? Dink. Uh, so this is where Jesus sent him. This is what it looks like uh, modern age today. Um, the crazy part is, again, we talk about the archaeological digs and the evidence. Um, this was not discovered by, like, Indiana Jones. Uh, this was discovered, or even a Christian Indiana Jones. This was discovered by sewage workers trying to put in a new sewage line. They're like, holy crap, what's this? Uh, and that's how it was found, I, I think, as low of 100 years ago. Um, so that, that's where he was sent, and that's where he went, and that's the faith step. Uh, I have to imagine it's not an easy faith step for the guy who's blind with mud covering his eyes to go, to go find this pool. I don't know if he had a friend with him or whatever the case may be, but there's a lot of reasons why he could say, that I, I can't do that. And again, as we talk, sometimes all between, that's all between us and Jesus is a flimsy excuse. And that flimsy excuse can make a lot of sense to us. But he went. So we do have that. And then we have number four. Again, everything is turned upside down. Everything is turned upside down. We see that in every, every single one. There's a huge um, difference that we see here between this blind man and the lame man. He was lame for 38 years as far as uh, their faith and their celebration. Um, and as we dig into it a little bit more, I think we're going to see how some of that plays out. So let me, let me continue reading. Verse 8. Verse 8 says, the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it's he. Others said, no, but it's like him. He kept saying, I'm the man. 
So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Salaam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? And he said, I don't, I don't know. The, uh, again, this is, I love these moments where the testimony is all that the person has for the outreach. He doesn't know a lot about Jesus. He, does, he doesn't have the same background as others. He wouldn't have been able to go to the schooling in the elementary years like we see with others within the temple. Uh, but he can, he can tell this is what Jesus did in my life. This is, this is what I knew to be. I, I was blind, and he, he made, that, that's what I know. And so to him, everything's turned upside down. People are starting to notice. People are starting to, to dig into it a little bit. So um, this is usually where we start branching off into points that are kind of unique about that particular story. But the thing that's crazy, John does a great job of giving us an incredible amount of details about one-on-ones that, that Jesus has. So let me bring back some previous points because we're going to see them here too. Uh, 5A, because it was a 5, but it's one of the two 5s I'm bringing back, is gratitude belongs to the Lord. This is where this testimony comes from. He makes sure that the credit goes to Jesus. He's not just saying that there's some kind of happenstance here that that goes into place. So we have to make sure we take our gratitude back to the Lord, like we talked about with the one leper who came back. Jesus' response was what? Just one? I think I hear 10. Are you the, the foreigner, is that the only one that came? And, and he's not doing it because he's snide or a jerk like I was with JT's phone, but he's bringing out an evident point. He deserves worship. He deserves praise. And we see that within this one as well, and it's going to continue playing out when things get messy. 5B is this, not everyone will be on board with your healing. You remember I was talking about that, and we saw that before. There's people who joy the company of other people that are miserable and they're not happy about your freedom. There's people who live a victim mentality life. Everything's bad for me. I, I'm the one that Jesus kicks around all the time and everybody else has a perfect and I'll never measure up. Um, that might not meet their agenda. It might not meet their opinion. There's a lot of different things that happen when it comes to division. We're already starting to see here people who have known this man his entire life who can't believe it's actually him. Why? Because it's impossible for him to see. They just can't get their head around it. When we continue, let's go into verse 13. We're going to see just how crazy it gets. They brought to the Pharisees the man who has formerly been blind. Now, it was a Sabbath day. Hey, you guessed correctly. It was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man's not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? And he said, he's a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and he had received his sight until they called his parents uh, in and he, uh, uh, the, the man that was blind and received his sight. And he, they asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he not now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But now how he sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he's of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things, this is John whispering in your ear. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, 
he's of age, ask him. So the second time they called the man who had been bone blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, whether he's a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. And they said to him, what did, what, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I've told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are the disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why? This is such an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man was not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Do you see the prejudice back here again that they throw into it? Here's what should have happened. This is just, just like last week. Here's what should have happened. This is a messianic miracle. They judge everything by at least two witnesses or more. This is why they had such a hard time putting Jesus through his trials, because they couldn't get two people to agree on the same details. Here they have witness after witness after witness after witness of what has happened. A messianic miracle has happened in their sight. Jesus must be the Messiah. This man should be changed and is. The parents, I would think, would be all over that. You would think the Jewish people would be amazed. You would think the Jewish leaders would be amazed. You would think that the Pharisees would all be on board. And here, all of Jerusalem at the end of the feast comes to the Messiah and starts to worship. That's what should happen by their own teaching, by their own teaching. But yet we tend to find that whether or not somebody is not on the, the same, same page of you or not, that we try to explain things away that don't fit our box. The whole reason why they can't even consider Jesus Messiah is because he broke the Sabbath. He broke the Sabbath. And so they go through everything. They, they call Jesus a sinner. They quiz the, the man, who again, relives his testimony. Uh, they have a lack of belief, even though they have more than enough witnesses. They quiz his family, who I'm, I'm not sure. Mom and dad didn't exactly seem to step up on that one too bad. Um, but in the, in, to the, I don't want to say to the credit, we also have to keep the reality of what they have. If you're borrowed from the, the church, from the synagogue at, the, at that time, that meant shunning. That meant like what we see in some cults today. That's what we see in like some of the Amish stories that some people read as far as a Christian uh, fiction or whatever the case may be. You, you're shunned. You're out. It's not that you just can't go to the synagogue anymore. You're out. Your family shuns you. Your friends shun you. We used to go to get your favorite tomatoes. You can't go there anymore because the guy that owns that food stand is a good Jewish man and he can have nothing to do with you. Your whole life is turned upside down. Sadly... We do see that in some pockets of the church around the world and within our culture. It uh, shouldn't be that way. But there's a huge pressure to conform instead of standing up for right that's on their shoulders. Um, th they say the sons of age. We don't know his age outside of that detail. He might be in his 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. All we know for sure is he's over 12. Within Jewish community, for those who know bar mitzvahs or uh, heard about bar mitzvahs or seen bar mitzvahs, a young, man become, a young boy becomes a man at the age of, of 12. So we know that. So they bring him back. They quiz him. They start putting pressure on him. When they say, glory, uh, glo give glory to God, 
that means tell the truth. Kind of like when we swear in and quote. Uh, the swear, tell the truth, the whole truth, so help you God. That's what that means. Give glory to God. They pressure him to confirm, but he won't. He won't. He's bold. Uh, I, I absolutely enjoy 32 and 33. Never since, uh, because it shows that uh, he understands, and he's the only one that understands this messianic miracle. It's never happened before. How could it be anybody else? Uh, I absolutely love, let's see. Gosh, we're going to find it real quick. Um, oh, the, 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 the part where they're quizzing him, and he asks, uh, why do you want to follow him too? That cracks me up. <laughs> and, and I'm pretty convinced, because, uh, again, John, a lot of this is the writing down of his teachings, his sermons that he gave that, uh, as part of his ministry. And I'm pretty, uh, again, with Michael Card, he talks about that a lot of these stories have been worked in front of people multiple times over. And uh, that he, he loves seeing, in his mind, John kind of chuckling because he knows that's funny. Uh, it's kind of kind of poking within this. But the reason he's bold is because he can see. Not physically, spiritually. He gets it now. I fully see what's going on here. Number six is one that we've brought up before. Jesus completes what he started. We see this over and over again. Verse 35. Jesus heard that they cast him out. In other words, kicked him out of the church, kicked him out of the Jewish uh, community. And having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The blind man answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? And Jesus said, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Uh, Jesus comes back. Jesus finds him. It's not complete yet. He needs to get that, that, that full uh, vision understood from a spiritual aspect. The guy can see, but Jesus has to finish the job when it comes to his spiritual life and his reconciliation. Um, you notice uh, the Pharisees knew him. They're following. They're coming. They're checking it out. Jesus is not afraid of the Pharisees. I love him. He's not exactly the most wimpiest of guys I've ever met has no problem within this, and the real miracle happens. He opens the eye spiritually. The man receives it. Uh, the Pharisees do not. Um, and then to finish it up, uh, first time I read it, I thought of it as a slam. Uh, it, but I still, I, I believe he fully loves the Pharisees as I try to get through to him. The, the whole, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. He's trying to reach into them to get the same kind of healing, and they're not responding. And they're not responding. Um, I saw a quote, and I don't know who it's from. I apologize. Or I give him credit. But uh, the phrase was this, when a blind man believes he can see, he places himself outside of being able to be healed. And that makes 100% sense to me. If I don't believe I need, then I'm closed off to the healing. And that's what the difference is between the Pharisees and the blind man that we see within the story is when we adopt and understand the challenges we have. I talk to a lot of people, I don't need help, I don't need to do this, I don't need Jesus, I don't need you, I don't need uh, these tools that can help me. When we put that up, we block Jesus from being able to do the freedom he wants to do within our lives. That's what the gospel is, when we deserve nothing, but yet he wants to give us everything. Um, so it's good. 
to adopt those things within it. But I will give you one new one, and then we'll finish up for the day. Number seven, healings happen in God's timing and for his purpose. Something I think all of us knows, but we always forget. Healings happen in God's timing for his purpose. When you go back to the very beginning of when we start in this, in verses one through seven, it is very telling what he has to say when it comes to the man's sin or the parent's sin. Uh, why is God letting this happen to me? I don't deserve this. This is mean. Uh, the things that have come into place. There could be a billion different reasons why we go through what we go through that we need help from. Billion different reasons. Um, is sin the cause of illness or sickness and those type of things? Uh, answer is yes and no. Um, th- there is a segment out there that talks about um, if you're sick, then you must have sin in your life, and if you confess the sin, then you'll be healed again. I don't, I don't agree with that in any way, shape, or form. Um, but on the other side of things, I was just talking to a friend of mine who's just gone through a horrific, horrific last several years, um, and was kind of wondering some of the things we were just talking about. And I, I, I was reminding her, and I remind you today, and sometimes sooner or later you probably have to remind me, God never meant for us to go through any of this. When it comes to sickness, when it comes to challenges, he never, um, you know, like he, he never originally intended for this guy to be blind. He never originally intended for me to have sugar diabetes. He never originally intended for someone to deal with cancer or to a loss of someone that they love, whatever the case may be. If you look at Genesis 1 and 2, that was not the plan. It's then corrupted the creation, and now we have this stuff in it that he leads us through, that he takes us through. Uh, so, yeah, sin, sin does cause sin from that standpoint. I do believe that there's teaching, and I don't know if I got, fully got my head around it, that sometimes we are sick or we deal with something because of sin in our lives. Um, I think that's there, but I think it's definitely not the only thing that's there, and I'm trying to understand that some more as I go. I think that there's definitely problems in our lives and think, sickness in our lives because of sin and decisions that we made or decision, sin and decisions other people have made that put us into harm's way. That brings us into challenges. Um, I, I think it's a lot more complex than just you have a cold, so you must be have some secret sin in your life that you need to confess. Uh, and I and I never understand when people that are prominent teachers uh, with that die of leukemia, how that messes with their church family. I don't know, but uh, but I do know in this case he's very bold. He's sick. He's blind because this moment. Whether it's 12 years, 30 years, whatever. He's blind because of this moment, because of God's timing and God's purpose so that we can have this conversation, so that we can have this outreach. And biblically, that sounds good, uh, but if you put yourself in the, 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 the place of the blind man, he spent years of suffering, years of wondering, is it sin in my life? Is it something that happened that I'm not aware of? Dear God, please. Please, is my is it my parents who don't stand up for me when I need them? Is there some kind of disjunction that he's now a beggar and his family's not taking care of him? There is no wife, there's no family, there's it's out in the streets begging. Years, years. So when he's healed, is he bitter? Wait a minute, I went through all that because of this. Or does he worship 
And thankfully, he chose worship. All I'm saying within all this is I don't know what God's doing, but I do know that he can make beautiful things out of the dust. I know that he does make beautiful things out of us, right? We sang it. Might as well hold on to it. I know that he builds testimonies that even if we don't know how to answer anything else, we can say, I was blind, but now I see. I used to be in bondage, now I'm free. And I can tell you there's a huge difference. I have many, many friends that are going through horrible times right now. And some receive it with despair, and some receive it with hope. And the difference is amazing. Amazing. God is doing something. God's building something. God will show up. It will be okay in his time. It will be okay to his purpose. He's got me. He's got me. Hebrews 11.1, you probably have had this. I'll put it up on the screen for you as well with Chris's help. Oh, my goodness, it jumped right up there, didn't it? Look at that. We can't even see the top of it. Hebrews 11.1 1 is a, a normal one uh, for us because Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter, like First Corinthians is, uh, 13 is the love chapter. That's why you hear about it all the time in, in uh, weddings and those type of things. It should be every day. But the faith chapter lists out all kinds of things that God has done through ordinary sinners that leaned into him through faith. And it starts out by this, since you can't see the top of it there. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things not seen. That's where faith comes in. I don't see the answer yet. I'm hoping for something better. Faith is the assurance that that's exactly how it is and that's exactly how it's going to be. If you were blessed by today's teaching, we hope you return for our next podcast. Or better yet, stop by the Shepherd's Fellowship any Sunday morning to join us live. You can learn more about the church by calling 740-382-3500 or check us out online by going to tsflife.com. That's tsflife.com. You can also support the ministry of TSF Life by donating at our church website or sending support to the Shepherd's Fellowship 1647 Marion Marysville Road, Marion, Ohio, 43302. Thank you for spending your time with us today, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Be blessed.